Well, it's an interesting job for the ECB this week because parts of Europe still have inflation rising and in the largest economy, GDP is falling. So how do they navigate their way through that one? Almost sounds like a cocktail for stagflation, doesn't it? If I can be so mid-2022 speak. Also today, how big is the China bounce back? We'll find out. How is Japan faring? Did Aussies go shopping in December? And ahead of the FOMC, how fast are wages rising in the US? The number one thing that they really are focused on right now. It is Tuesday, the 31st of January, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, US equity markets have run out of puff. We've got a 2% fall in the NASDAQ at close, a 1.3% drop in the S&P 500 and a 0.7% fall in the Dow. The Eurostoxx 50 also down at the European close, down half a percent, only the FTSE 100 managing to climb a little bit, a quarter percent climb. The Hang Seng yesterday fell 2.7%, so a fairly swift reversal in the fortunes of share markets, it's fair to say. Bond yields have pushed markedly higher as well, up four basis points for 10-year treasuries, up eight for 10 year bonds up 10 for the uh, yields on 10 year Italian bonds Aussie bond yields well they fell yesterday down two basis points to 3.53% but up about seven basis points overnight on futures the US dollar has pushed up a third of 1% on the DXY index but it generally seems to have plateaued a little over 102 which is well below where it was in October and early November last last year of course and a 0.6% fall in the Aussie dollar this morning now at 70.6 US cents a half percent fall in the Japanese yen and the Swiss franc. Not much movement in, in other currencies in FX markets. And falls in oil again. 2% down for Brent, down below $85. WTI falling 2.4% as well, down below 78 So today, some PMIs from China, housing credit and retail sales for Australia, GDP flash numbers for Europe, and that all-important employment cost index for the United States as well. And to talk us through all of that, here's NAB's Taylor Nugent in Melbourne. Melbourne, uh, where they've escaped the worst of the rain. I think in Sydney, people are going to work scuba diving to work. That's right. Yes, weather in Melbourne, um, you know, not not living up to, to its reputation happily recently. <laughs> the world's gone cockeyed, doesn't it? Anyway, look, ahead of the ECB this week, uh, GDP numbers yesterday for Germany, the flash number for Q4. I mean, it was expected to flatline Q on Q, but it actually fell 0.2%. So, and then, you know, we had that surprise with Spain's inflation, you know, ahead of the full inflation figure later on for Europe, Spain's inflation rose from 5.7% in December to 5.8%. Not a big rise, but the wrong direction. And then if we take out energy and look at core inflation, that's gone from 7% to 7.5%. This is a real worry, isn't it? So on the one side, we've got, um, uh, you know, GDP output down and we've got inflation rising. Exactly not what the ECB wants to see happening. Yeah, good Good morning, Bill. Certainly the, the direction of those two data surprises in, in Europe certainly painting a, a pretty unhelpful picture with that kind of, you know, lower than expected growth outcome in, in Germany. And then that, that stronger... Um, inflation number, you'd have to say that, you know, most of the the focus and, you know, what we've seen in terms of market reaction has been on that um, inflation surprise um, in Spain. Um, and, mm. you know, that, that German data, it, it was, um, did come in at minus 0.2% for the quarter. That was a little bit worse than an, an earlier reported um, flat outcome. Um, although, you know, given the the headwinds in, in Germany, if we hadn't got that upside surprise earlier, it's it's hard to believe that this is kind of too different from from where expectations would be, um, but you know maybe does suggest a, a little bit of downside risk to um, Euro, eurozone um, GDP data coming up um, today, where consensus is for a, a minus zero point one percent quarter on quarter. Um, but you know, that, is it too soon to be using the word stagflation again? 
Uh, look, you know, it's a it's a fairly vaguely defined uh, concept, really. But I think you know that the challenge for central banks is that they do they do see the need to see some slowing in in activity in order to get um, inflation pressures to ease and get and get that um, supply and demand back into balance. And so, you know, whether that means that you get kind of you know a period of of um, shallow um, negative growth in order to to make that happen, it's kind of you know up to the up to people's own interpretations, whether that's stagflationary or, or not. But yes, yeah, certainly the the inflation surprise in, in Spain, keeping the pressure on on the ECB. And, you know, you'd have to think probably kind of em, emboldening the, the hawks there in terms of the, the guidance beyond mm. beyond this week's meeting um, with that, that Spanish inflation data coming in sharply higher than expected at 4.8 percent, um, up from 5 point, sorry, 5.8 percent. It was up from 5.5% previously, but, you know, it had been expected to fall to around 5%. So, you know, a, a fairly sharp surprise there. Added uncertainty in the month due to um, a reweighting of the, the um, basket there. So that kind of added a little bit of volatility. But certainly, you know, as you mentioned, that that core number, you know, pushing higher up to 7.5% in, in Spain, um, certainly, you know, indicative and kind of adding to fears that those price pressures might be a, a bit stickier. Um, and we've seen that come through in in market pricing as well. So you know, from the the ECB this week, you know, consensus is is fairly firmly on on fifty basis points. But the focus then on you know what's the path from there, and and we've seen um, yields higher, and we've seen um, um, ECB market pricing move higher as well, with kind of the terminal rate now up over just over three and a half percent, up around ten basis points um, from where we were late last week. So yields up in Europe, but also, uh, I mean, is that spilling over? To- the US does that explain why we've, we've seen the rises in the US is that is that just a response to what's happened in Europe uh yeah look you'd, you'd have to you'd have to say so the kind of you know the catalyst on the day looks to be kind of alongside that that push higher yeah. um in yields in in Europe but you know with the with a, a very full calendar for for both important data and and central banks this week um you know maybe just kind of a, mm. a bit of a, a cautious tone um entering the week and you know that that kind of upside um inflation surprise in Spain maybe just kind of mm. you know adding to a, a bit more caution to to the kind of the the, the direction that we've seen so far this year of kind of growing confidence in, in the easing inflation backdrop. Well, we would be able to see whether actually the same story was applying in Germany because we should be getting German CPI today, but apparently the uh, the stats agency has, has delayed the release of that. We do get Eurozone GDP today, though, so we can see whether Germany's GDP and the, the fall that we've seen there has spread across uh, the Eurozone. Interestingly, economic sentiment for the Euro area yesterday, that was up a little. Actually, uh, to a seven-month high, thanks to falling inflation expectations. I mean, this is before we saw the numbers showing that in Spain that was quite the opposite of the case. But obviously there is a belief that if there is going to be a recession, it's not going to be a bad one and it's going to be over quite quickly, hence economic sentiment picking up a little bit. Yeah, I think that's right. Some of those kind of easing um, easing energy fears are mm. kind of you know supporting the the backdrop there. And we saw the, the um, URA confidence index up a, a little bit more than, than expected at, at 99.9 and a, a seven-month high. And then also a bit of an increase in consumer confidence as well, which is um, up to its, its highest level in, in 11 months. So, you know, the, the direction of travel on those kind of confidence measures, at least, a, a bit more of an optimistic picture. Right. Now, uh, China's National Bureau of Statistics, they, they are releasing their PMIs today. I hope they, you know, at least they're keeping to schedule, uh, supposedly. So manufacturing and non-manufacturing are both expected to fill up uh, pick up, but will they move into into growth territory and and actually push over fifty? I mean, uh, services was forty one point six last time, so going over fifty sounds like a quite a big call, doesn't it? 
Yeah, so expectations are for a, you know, a very meaningful bounce in those um, official PMIs today. Consensus looks for the, the manufacturing index to, to creep above 50 at 50.1 and from, from 47 um, in December. And then, you know, a, a much larger shift on the, the non-manufacturing side, which was, you know, down at 41.6 back in December. And, you know, expectations are for that to move up to 52. So kind of back into expansion territory, That's kind of consistent plan. with, yeah. you know, the, a fairly a fairly sharp turning point in um, in economic fortunes in, in China with kind of the, the peak of those COVID impacts happening in December and then kind of, you know, evidence of, of a, a return to expansion and the start of a rebound from those impacts coming in through through January, explaining expectations for the size of the bounce there. So it'll be interesting to to see um, what what those numbers come in at as kind of investors look to kind of gauge um, how swift that that rebound is. Um, you know, China also back from a week of um, Lunar New Year holidays um, on Monday, and we saw kind of that. That optimism around around reopening coming through in um, in equity markets um, initially as well. The the CSI three hundred initially up quite quite sharply, although it did kind of pair gains um, through the day. Um, and you know mm. some some data um, kind of you know supportive of of kind of a, a recovery really starting to take hold in in January. And so you know it would be interesting to to watch those those PMIs to see whether that's firmed up. One one headline that, that caught my eye was that. Um, you know, um, travel activity during that holiday period was nearly 90% of, of pre-pandemic levels, according to the, the Ministry mm. of Culture and Tourism. So suggestive of a, you know, a fairly swift bounce back there. Yeah, well, so it'd be interesting to see whether equity markets suddenly turn around again, uh, if those numbers look uh, look very positive today. Uh, so, uh, I mean, and obviously good news for Germany as well, if we see uh, China picking up. So maybe it's not such a disaster story for Europe. So somewhere facing uh, less inflation than Europe and possibly lower production is Japan. We get their industrial production production numbers out today for December. There's an expectation of a reasonable sized fall there. And we had uh, Governor Kuroda speaking yesterday, telling Parliament that inflation will gradually accelerate, but it's going to take time. He said there's a lot of uncertainty. He said it was important they can create an environment where companies can raise wages, which is obviously the opposite of what everyone else is trying to do. Uh, and we get their employment numbers out today. But Yuri Okina from the uh, Japan Research Institute, who could be the deputy governor, uh, has been talking about it's important that they set their 2% inflation target as a long-term goal to make their monetary policy more flexible. So we know, we can see, can't we, that change is going to come swiftly when the power shifts. But uh, in the meantime, uh, Governor Kuroda just doesn't want to budge, does he? Yeah, yeah. So certainly some kind of evidence of the, the sensitivity of financial markets to any hints of movement at, at the Bank of Japan. So Yuri Akina um, noting that kind of suggesting that some revision to the, the joint policy statement, um, keeping that 2% target, but emphasizing kind of it, that it's a, a long-term goal, adding more flexibility um, and saying that, you know, a, a comprehensive rethink of monetary policy um, would be would be needed for a normalization of, of yield functions, kind of getting some attention. We saw the, the US dollar lose about half a cent against the yen on those headlines, but kind of, you know, as, as we, as kind of markets digested that they could kind of, you know, weren't official comments from the Bank of Japan. We had those comments from Karuda saying that um, the Bank of Japan will maintain its 2% inflation target and continue monetary policy easing. We saw that Everything went um, initial reaction largely unwind. Yeah, as you were. 
in other words. <laughs> so Australia's retail sales today, we get the housing credit for December. So November retail sales were strong, weren't they? At 1.4%, well above expectations. But we're seeing this in a few places, a much better November than December, which could be, you know, could be because the tide is turning or it could be because we just snapped up bargains during the Black Friday sales. I guess we'll find out the answer to that question today. Yeah, that's right. Those December retail sales numbers, very difficult to read in isolation. So, you know, especially in Australia as that kind of Black Friday, Cyber Monday shopping period, um, you know, gains more and more traction that's pulling a lot of spending forward into November and, and from December and kind of messing with seasonality around that time of year. So, yeah, November saw a, a very strong 1.4% month-on-month increase, um, probably some payback um, expected in the in the print in, in December. Consensus looks for a 0.2% decline. We see a bit of downside risk to that, principally in a, a minus 1%. Um, but kind of, as you say, you know, if you look even on on a number like our forecast, if you look at November and December together, together probably yeah. still consistent with a fairly resilient exactly. consumer. Yeah, we really need to see January and February really, don't we, to start getting a clearer picture. Look, the big number today though is the U.S. Employment Cost Index. Um, so uh, that, that late tonight, Australia time, one point two percent quarter on quarter last time. Uh, we get the Q4 number this time. I think the expectation is it's still going to be 1.1%. So still too hot, isn't it? That's a quarter-on-quarter percentage. That is still way too hot for the Fed. Yeah, yeah. So expectations are for for 1.1% after 1.2% last time. So still a fairly strong number, but certainly, you know, a lot of focus on this number. It's less timely than some of the other wages indicators, but it's also kind of a, a cleaner read, less noisy. It abstracts from some of those kind of compositional shifts that can affect the the num- more timely number like average hourly earnings and so certainly get we'll be getting a lot of focus to see whether that kind of confirms that story that maybe wages growth was already slowing through the second half of last year um even without a, a materially weakening um labor market which would be kind of a, a very optimistic story for for the fed yeah but it's 1.1 percent quarter on quarter is that slowing enough yeah i mean it's it's about the the direction of travel really so yeah as you say kind of still mm. the expectations of a still kind of fairly strong wages growth but you know evidence that wages growth wasn't kind of continuing to accelerate will will kind of you know be certainly be, be viewed favorably but you know also you know it's every chance that that report could kind of suggest that no wages growth is kind of stubbornly too high and kind of reinforce those expectations that you know the fed really does need to see a, a weakening in the labor market mm. that gives it more confidence that that kind of nominal income backdrop will slow to be confident inflation sustainably yeah. well. All right. And US earnings are still going on. Of course, so there's not much today, actually, to be honest. So there's nothing to really turn those equity markets around. The big news is is tomorrow and some big names tomorrow. But we'll talk about that in the podcast tomorrow morning. Uh, good to talk, Taylor. Catch you again very soon. Thanks very much, Phil. The IMF, by the way, bringing out its uh, World Economic Outlook, the latest edition, 9.30 Singapore time this morning. Uh, so we'll give you some of the highlights of that tomorrow, of course, on the podcast. Till then, I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. See you tomorrow morning.